I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here with Dr. Christina Hallett. We're doing our Be Awesome series on Mental Health News Radio, and we're going to talk about calm in the midst of chaos. Dr. Hallett, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you know that I love talking to you. Absolutely. We always have a good time. And what better thing to talk about than calm in the midst of chaos, right? Because here we are right in the midst of chaos for everyone everywhere. In fact, you can even hear a little chaos in my voice, I bet. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You're a little more distracted than um, than usual. But you know, what's great about doing the show is that it's about mental health. So um, we don't, we don't have to be perfect anyway. But especially on any show on my network, and especially my show, because we're not putting on, uh, you know, a persona, we're really talking about what it's like to be a human being. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Real people having real conversations about the things that go on. And that's, to me, one of the things that's most important about our connection and why I love Mental Health News Radio and the entire network. Because literally, that that's all I can do is be me. That's all that you can do is be you. There's right. nothing there's nothing to pretend because <laughs> we have nothing it's other exhausting. than who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's tiring. It's really tiring. I mean, and when you spend a, a lifetime working so hard at being an individual, which not everybody does that, uh, you know, we have varying degrees of being unconscious in our lives, but if, if that's something that you really uh, were shown through, family trauma or whatever that, oh gosh, it's really important to really fight to be an individual. Um, being able to stay with that and talk about mental health and be in that, you know, constant individuation is really, really beneficial. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're recording this and it's a week before Christmas. And right. 
literally everyone that I've seen, it doesn't matter if it's students, people who are in my personal life, friends and family, clients that I've worked with, coaching clients, everyone is talking about, ah, there's so much to do. There's so much going on. And people are reporting bigger and bigger uh, sense of stress. And how am I going to manage this? How about on your end? What have you been noticing? Yeah, I've been noticing that too. You know, I mean, I get asked to be on different news shows and um, that's the common theme is, you know, let's talk about dealing with holiday stress. And, you know, it starts with Hanukkah and of course there's Kwanzaa and I want to make sure I don't know all the holidays, but they all converge at this time in the fall and, you know, or I guess, I don't know, is Thanksgiving considered winter or I see this is how brain dead I am right now. December anyway, they 21st all, starts winter. Okay. Okay. So fall and winter <laughs> Perfect. are the time for all these holidays that come together and you hear that it's supposed to be full of cheer and joyousness and togetherness. And it is, but it also is a source of stress and a lot of chaos and people concerned about money. And so I've I've just done show after show after show talking about how to deal with relatives, how to deal with holiday parties, how to deal with your autistic children, you know, that have sensory processing um, issues and, you know, all these things related to the stress of this time. Yeah, it's universal. And one of the things that's really striking for me is the sense of expectations that people often have. And maybe let me put that differently. A belief that there is a sense of expectation. So that doesn't even have to be that the person themselves really feels that. But I think as a a community that in the mm. United States, at least, there's this sense of this fall, winter, holiday-ish time means, and then tick off the list, right? It means you're supposed to, We every time we hear supposed to, that's a problem, right? But you're supposed <laughs> to be happy. You're supposed to get together with friends and family. You're supposed to be giving and doing things for other people. And I think that there's a really extensive list. And all of those, all on their own, they're fantastic. I, mean, I don't have an issue with any of those. Like give to people. Absolutely. Think about that. On the other hand, maybe we don't need to just volunteer or give to other people or care about how they're doing once a year. You know, something we might think right. about doing throughout the course of the year. But again, even stepping further back, I see so many people who are looking at all of these shoulds or supposed tos and then they begin comparing back and that's where the stress starts coming from so you start there and then you add in maybe a history of some uh family dysfunction or you right. uh layer in loss and you layer in what it's like to not maybe have people in your life at the present time and suddenly it, I think, begins to just feel very, very difficult and chaotic, and yet it's hard to say that. So you're doing all these podcasts and all of these consultations, mm -hmm. and so am I, on, hey, how do we deal with the stress? And yet at the same time, there's an how expectation. How do we deal with right. the stress, like you yeah. and me? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And also that 
the comparing thing, oh, that's awful. That's awful, awful, awful. I get myself into so much trouble when I go down that road, and we're going to talk about that because that's chaos all unto itself, the whole comparing. But it's also um, it's also stressful because somehow this time of year, you're magically supposed to have extra money. Right, right. When it's <laughs> right, often the least likely time to have extra money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's winter in some places, so it's, you know, heating bill. I mean, there are other things that make this time of year really, you know, legitimately more expensive. And you're supposed to get presents for everybody and, you know, have everything wrapped and do all these extra tasks when we are overloaded already. And then the reinforcement of you're going to look on social media and you're going to see happy smiley faces, perfect Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever. Look at how they're doing it. They're having a great time and compare that to your life where you just maybe wanted to throat punch someone at Walmart and had to go sit in your car and (laughs) breathe. (laughs) Thinking my life is awful. They are all. All of our listeners are like, wow, all I wanted to do today was throat punch somebody. I didn't say actually do it, but you know, know. think about it. (laughs) Oh, that's fabulous. There's a joke. This, I I will share this because it sounds sort of awful, but it literally the joke uh, between my husband and I is he'll, there are times when he's been really difficult and I said, oh, that just makes me want to stab you with a fork. And he's like, that's really violent. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not like, what are you talking about? I wouldn't stab someone. I think that's awful. I'm just trying to have a colorful way that I would express how I feel. And he's like, I don't think you should use the word stab in public. I'm like, you know what? I'm probably not going to. So now I've, I, I didn't just use it in public. I've just told all of our listeners, see, this is how real it gets. You start talking about drug yeah. punching and the next thing you know, I'm talking about forks and it's just and so stabbing people, your, exactly. your loved one. As oh, if stabbing yeah. strangers is not as awful as stabbing you. <laughs> <laughs> right, because right, there's really, right, there's no comparison there. Oh my God. No, right. So that's exactly it. We get into this comparison. We develop these ideas about what we think, these expectations, what we should be doing, what everyone else is doing, our ideas about what everyone else is doing are often very far removed from the reality because I have yet to meet anyone who has one of those picture postcard family seasons. I mean, even if everything is fantastic, there's then maybe they have to work extra hours and maybe it's a job they love, but they've got to put more in so that, for example, people who are working for FedEx and UPS have to work a lot more to help everybody else with that, even though they too are individuals who have an interest and expectations around the holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, we we already just society in general i mean the, the numbers are all out there you know the the statistics are all out there that there's an increase in depression an increase in anxiety an increase in you know stress so that's all fact we're all feeling it for a variety of different reasons and then we've got to make this room where we already don't have emotional room like we're running 
we either just don't have it at all and we have adrenal fatigue and we're running on, I don't know, fumes from something just to get by every day. But then we also have to have this, you know, extra emotional room to deal with what happens during the holidays, all those expectations. And let's face it, what family doesn't have some kind of <laughs> drama? Exactly. Right. During this time or or that you're not with family. And so that's, you know, sad for you. Like there's so many different there's so much pressure about how it's supposed to be. I almost yeah. want to say, you know, take a year off from all holidays and call it the unholiday year. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so this idea of how do we step out of what we've seen as the expectations or the norm or the ideas that the traditions that we've had and how do we step out of that a little bit and begin to say what is it that's meaningful and important and how can i stay consciously focused on what's meaningful and important whatever that is without adding to it these other things that move it from important to chaotic I think too, like the, the ability to, and this takes so much practice, but to rewire your thoughts, you know, yes. you, yep. you see your neighbors put up their lights, you see a bunch of, you know, menorahs in every window, or you see the Christmas lights or whatever in your light, and you haven't done a darn thing. And you start that, oh, whatever, whatever that is for you, if that's something that, you know, gets you. There could be a million other things. That's one example. But for me, I've had a really um, interesting time of paying attention to my thoughts. And anytime I go to negative, which is sad how often it is, um, but to then go, nope, you are not going to go there. You're going to be grateful that your neighbors put up the lights and that you get to enjoy your neighbor's lights. Like any way to make it a positive, not like, you know, oh, let's just pretend like everything in the world is positive. Not like that at all. Just I want to shift my mindset in this moment so that I don't start going down a negative rabbit hole. And it, it takes work to do that. And you need emotional room to do that in a time when we don't have a lot of room. But it's it actually gives you more room if you do watch your thoughts in that way. I absolutely agree. And that is a fantastic strategy. And you saying that makes me think there is something that I know that can help us pay a little more easily, a little more easily, pay attention to our thoughts and exactly put that practice into play. And that is smiling. Mm right? There's a lot of research on smiling. And it shows that when we're doing that, when we smile, literally, we begin to activate those neural pathways in our brain that say, hey, give me a little dopamine, give me a little serotonin, feel a little better. And so a nice. smile can be the way to then get into how do I shift those thoughts around? So right. maybe what we do is we notice them we can do it either way, but maybe it's we notice the thoughts and then we take a breath and smile and then move into gratitude, which hopefully then is helping us smile even more because your gratitude example was wonderful. Not why am I such a jerk because I don't have lights up, but wow, how nice that they did. That looks great. That's right. It. Exactly. It look, you know, and even, no if you, 
yeah, even if it's a really toothy grin and you're looking in your rearview mirror and you're like, okay, I'm smiling. <laughs> right. <laughs> the tr- right. So even a forced smile can lead to a boost in mood. And there is literally yeah. research behind that. And that's why we want to try to do that. And then ideally, and we talked about this when we talked about laughter with Marla Schultz on that show, right? Oh, the more that we show. fake smile, that can help us, or we fake laugh helps us real smile, real laugh, and then we get the full benefit of that. I think, too, taking stock in the people that you really trust, you know, your closest if you have those people, there have been years I haven't. So listeners, if you know, if you're in that place where you don't, this is not a way for you to shame yourself because you don't. I've been I've been there too. Um <laughs> for me this year, I'm definitely having an unholiday year, which has been really healthy for me. And uh but I I go to people like my ex husband who knows me so well that he can you know, he can pick up and say, gosh, you know, you've been really more negative than usual lately, Chris. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to make you mad, but you just have been really a lot more negative lately. And me to be able to hear that and, and think about it, not go, you know, immediate DEFCON 1 um, or DEFCON 5, whichever direction it goes anyway. But I... <laughs> But uh, to have those people, you know, your friends or whoever it may be, counselor, and and have them ask them, you know, can you observe a little bit? Because I can't, I'm so stressed that I can't even really observe how I'm behaving. Um, So can you give me some feedback and, you know, and be able to take that from people that will do it in a very loving way that doesn't send you, you know, (laughs) bad places. Yes, absolutely. I I love that idea. I think that the idea of actually we know already from the research, just connecting with someone who's important to you makes a difference in how you feel. And when you're able to connect with someone and then ask for some neutral observations or feedback about how things are going and you're prepared for that so that you're not sort of then going to get defensive, but instead you're just saying, you know what, I'm sort of having this sense, but I'd like your feedback and I trust that you'll give me an honest answer. That's then really helpful because sometimes we do need a little support to see what other people are seeing from the outside in because our view from the inside out can be so um, so much different at various points in time. Yes, and we're all, most people are guilty of this. Um, most people are guilty of thinking that they know everything. Even if you tell yourself that you don't, you're really humble <laughs> and you're open to learning new things. Really inside, most of us really do think that we know what's up about everything. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Right. That's why we think we're correct about things. Oh, well, I know how that is. <laughs> it's it's really good when we're feeling chaotic to imagine that we're wrong. I, I, I'll, I'll give a scenario. I have a friend that listens to the show, so she's going to know I'm talking about her. Love her. She has a very different life than I do, and she will call me about this, that, or the other, and I found myself getting really irritated and just continuing to say over and over again, you know, you could just, if you just spent 
this time that you're doing this other thing that bothers you and put it into counseling for yourself, um, you know, your life would be better. And and I didn't even realize that over time I'm sounding like Judgy Judy ah. and like I know the answers to everything and not really listening to her and um, and just, you know, putting my own shoulds on somebody else. And I sat back and I just I took that moment to go, okay, wait a minute. I really care about this person and I am not being a good friend. And I am not right all the time. Yep. <laughs> so get over right. yourself. <laughs> right. Because being a good friend is literally about listening to the other person and and helping reflect back what they need to hear for them as opposed to what we think they need to hear for us. Yeah, oh, that's us. a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Say that again. Say that again. That, that's, that's a big one. So we want to listen to our friends and then reflect back what it is that they need to hear rather than the focus being on what we think they need to hear. So explain how that's different from being someone who just placates people and doesn't isn't really yeah. honest. So I just started listening to a book called uh, what's it called? Be the boss everyone wants to work for. And it's a very interesting book. It's by uh, Dr. William Gentry. And so it's a, a book for new leaders. And in there, one of the things he was talking about, and it's a nice way that he puts it, is this idea of as a leader, you want to go by the platinum rule. So the golden rule, of course, is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But that focus is all about you. So he mm -hmm. then talks about the platinum rule as a leader is do unto others as they need, you know, or works for them, not as works for you. So basically understanding where the the other is coming from so taking that from leadership into any relationship i think is a it's a very good point in that when we're listening to someone and we're listening from a this is a new idea that i'm coming up with this second so we're watching this happen in the moment just an fyi <laughs> right this is not i'm not taking like 20 years of research that i've known about i'm sort of talking through something right here in Live. another universe right now a safe person has just discovered fire anyway exactly. go exactly <laughs> right that's what's happening <laughs> Woo! and the rockets take off yeah exactly so it's this idea of when we listen from a neutral, mindful, non-judgmental place, we're able to hear and reflect back what the other person is really looking for, which is very different from placating. Placating is this idea of I'll say what you want me to say, and that's not the same as what is it that the person needs or is really trying to say or is really looking for. Right, So we're talking in this idea of the platinum rule of listening well enough so that you understand both the, uh, let's see, subtext messages, the nonverbal messages, the other pieces of the pie. This is the kind of example I'm thinking about. This is sort of a classic. You say to someone, how are you doing? And they say, I'm fine. And then there's that pause. And you know that's not true. <laughs> right? So right. the 
would be like, oh, okay, all right, well, that's good. Or, or maybe, are you sure? In that interesting kind of response that isn't actually listening. It's allowing the person to just, the, the placating, right, or this other way of doing it is allowing the person to stay in that place and either need to then defend it or stay with it. But when I think about it, that example, so I say, how are you doing? And you go, I'm fine. When I'm really listening, I might say, you know, I, what I hear is that it sounds like maybe you're not, but I also can understand if this isn't something you want to talk about. So I'm just putting out that observation because if there is something you want to talk about, I am more than willing to listen. Or something like that. Again, sort of, you know, maybe not the perfect wording because we've already said we're not doing perfect today. <laughs> but right. That, right. Does that idea of I'm listening to what's really going on and responding because I'm tuned in to what it is that the person is really communicating as opposed mm -hmm. to what they're potentially on the surface asking for? And how about when we're just, we're overloaded and we don't have, the act of self-care is that we just can't listen to someone else. We can't, or this is someone that takes advantage of your time or, you know, oh. <laughs> putting a different spin on it. And, and part of your self-care is to, I, I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not going to listen and I can't do this because yeah. I don't have the emotional room. It's taken away from me too much for me to do this anymore. Absolutely. Right. So at any time we want to have that radical self-care of setting boundaries and saying, this isn't working for me, or this isn't working for me right now, or now is not a good time, whatever it is that fits the situation. But even more so, if you know already that you're beginning to be tapped out, and it does, certainly does not need to be the winter holiday season that does that, right? People can get tapped out at any time of year. That's when we right. really want to say to someone, whether it's in response to some kind of request, and that might be overt or covert, we want to set that boundary and say, that's not something I'm able to do. And it may be, I'm not able to do right now, or not at all. We, you know, again, it's obviously individual. We don't need to apologize for that. And that there's an interesting piece here. So tell me what you think. Because often I find myself actually using the word, someone will say something, and I want to respond by setting a boundary. So they'll say, can you do this? And I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. And then I'll say what I can or cannot do. And as I'm talking, I'm thinking about, you know, sometimes we don't want to use the words, I'm sorry, because we may not be sorry, or that may be seem as if we're taking ownership for something that isn't that for ours. So do you run across that when you're, is that a shorthand that you end up using? Yeah, I have. I have in the past done the I'm sorry thing. I mean, I apologized for breathing and existing. And, and I learned that, you know, through generation, you know, that's a generational thing in, in our family. But um, I did stop saying that I'm sorry, um, or I would preface everything with some explanation and then ask for what I needed, you know, just things like that. So I, yeah. I don't do the I'm sorry anymore. And I don't do it. The easiest way to explain it is I've definitely gone to Codependence Anonymous meetings mm -hmm. and I think they're great. 
The only issue I had, which is my issue, I'm not saying this belong, should belong to or does belong to anyone else. This was just a thing about me. Um, I did not feel comfortable, ha you know, having to say, hi, I'm Kristen and I'm codependent every time I w wanted to open my mouth. And mm. that's a requirement in, you know, in a lot of the meetings because mm -hmm. I don't like reinforcing. Um, to me, it it was beyond an, an acceptance and acknowledgement of, yes, I definitely have codependency issues. I don't feel like I then need to go and reinforce it constantly by saying that because I'm trying to heal from this yeah thing so that's how i looked at it and for other people it was no this is an affirmation and it helps me and that's totally fine too my way is you know the right way for me but i thought about that with the i'm sorry's i thought every time i'm saying that i'm like i'm i'm telling myself that i'm sorry for taking up space in the world and i have mm -hmm. got to stop doing that because it infects every other part of my life. Um, if I if I'm in chaos for whatever reason, um, I deserve to be in that just as much as anyone else does and wind my way out of it in whatever ways, hopefully healthier and healthier ways I can. But the I'm sorry's were like, a, well, let's just, you know, tell yourself constantly that you're so sorry that you don't even get to have an opinion about anything, you know? So that's a really really excellent point and a nice way of looking at it. And that maybe helps me think through some of this a little differently because although I certainly have had and continue to have my own issues, that particular cluster was not one of mine. So, mm. uh, so maybe I'm sorry has a slightly different impact for me. Although I think the power of the words that we use and what we're affirming on a regular basis really matters. And that's right. really how I began thinking about it. Sometimes I'll say, I appreciate that, blah, 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 that you asked me this or something like that. Um, and it's funny because I think whether it, for me, in some ways, whether it's I'm sorry or I appreciate, I think in either case, I'm trying to be pleasant and civil and acknowledge that the other person is making some kind of request, request, mm -hmm. demand, whatever it is, that I'm trying to stay in the place of being the generous, open-hearted person and acknowledge that they've said something that I am now going to follow up with a no or a boundary or a limit. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not saying that's the best way, but it's in it's just thinking about this. So I, I think that is, though, one of the things that we can think about when we're trying to find calm in the midst of chaos is what is the language that we're using? How do we typically do that? And what's the language that will position us to feel the strongest and the, have the most clarity about how we want to be and where it is that we want to have those limits and those boundaries? Because guaranteed, we're going to need to set them, right? Once there's chaos, what do you do? Like, even if it's your desk that's messy, you've got to start organizing it somewhere, right? So there's definitely right. some kind of organizational limit or boundary that we put into place. And maybe the part of the key is thinking about sort of how do I want to be and what's the language I can use that lets me support just like you did in the parts you want to affirm as opposed to the areas you don't want to be <laughs> reinforcing.
So it's another example of how different we all are. I mean, we, we certainly have our similarities as human beings, but our psychology and what makes us think the way that we do and how we take something like I'm sorry, completely different than others. And we often walk around in life, even those of us who think that we're so evolved, I've definitely been guilty of that. And then I face planted hard. So, um, you know, that, that not everybody thinks like you do. You're, you, you can be having a conversation. You and I could be having a conversation and we actually think that the other person is thinking just like us through the whole conversation. And then we go on about our way and we were, it was like, we weren't even really talking with each other. Exactly. And people do that. I do that. All humans do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that I love our conversations and we sort of explore different thoughts. And, and you and I do have lots of synchronicities, but there's no such thing as mind reading. There's always right. new information to learn, right? There's a different right. perspectives to gather. And no, but we don't want anyone to be our twin. That's just like boring and creepy, right? So <laughs> instead, there's this whole idea of, okay, how do we embrace that difference? But exactly like you said, we've got to be able to recognize that it isn't the same instead of carrying that implicit belief of, oh, of course, we're talking about the same thing, as opposed to checking it out and saying, what are your thoughts about this? And, and that's one of the things, you know, I love to say sort of like, well, how are you thinking about that? Or how do you come right. to that? What does that mean? And, and it, that doesn't have to be. I, I know sometimes I say that and people are like, really, are you just going to like sit there and gaze at your belly button for five hours? I'm like, no, we're, this does not have to be a 12 hour conversation or, you know, right. a three day reflection that we're talking you know, all of our techniques are like sort of 60 seconds or less, like just pausing for a second and saying, huh, what does that mean? Or do I know that we're talking about the same thing or just tell me more <laughs> and getting right, more information? Exactly. Asking questions, being curious, yeah, um, taking that time when things are so chaotic to just you know, you you absolutely, I used to say this to someone who just always, always, always was in trouble with their bills. And listen, everybody, <laughs> unless they're born, you know, a Rockefeller, whatever, you know, has trouble with their bills. This just mm -hmm. was like overly chronic with this person. And they had plenty to money to handle it, too. So it was just it was an it was a definite issue and it was a chaos creation thing. And uh, the the thing I said to her, I got really frustrated. I said, listen, if you don't pay a bill, like, you know, I know that you're going to tell yourself you're an irresponsible person if you pay that late or you've got all these shoulds, but are you going to die? Like if that bill is, is not paid on time, are you literally going to drop dead? And she said, well, no. And I said, so give yourself a freaking break. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. And sometimes it, you know, it, so when we talk about, and, you know, I'm just using paying bills as an example, but not that we shouldn't pay our bills on time, but I think listeners, you, you got the gist of what I'm saying. But when we're dealing with all this stress, um, you know, you can have, 
a holiday. There's so many expectations and, you know, everything that goes on. But you're not going to die if you don't go to that party. You're not going to die if you say, this year, we're going to do the holiday meal just at our house people might get mad at you, but you know, they're going to forget about it. You're not going to die because you don't meet that obligation. So sometimes you like, you need to sit and think, Oh, right. Like what am I adding, you know, and, and how much am I feeding my body and this adrenaline rush? And now my body's, you know, feeding off that adrenaline as well, which helps me get through this stressful season. But while it's doing that, it's also, um, burning out your adrenals. So, you know, mm-hmm. stopping and being very logical about things and going, I, I can, this is my life. I can actually shut this down if needed. Even just saying that and knowing it can be enough to help you get to all those parties if you don't really want to cancel. Knowing that you can just shut it down, even yes. that can be just helpful enough. There is huge power in knowing that you have the option, right? Sometimes, literally, it's just reminding yourself that I have the option to not go. I have the option to stay home or to do this differently. And sometimes it isn't that interesting that we'll say, oh, right, okay, I don't have to do this. And then that allows us to have a greater measure of calm, and then we do it and enjoy it. And you're really keying into not just giving ourselves a break, but the other thing that I was thinking about, which is simplicity and sort of the paring down, not because I must or I can't, sort of pulling all of that away, but thinking for a second, what is it that's important to me? Like, what is it that matters? What is it that I want to do? And what are the basics of that? So if we were going to think from a, a choosing simplicity perspective, what would that include, right? So maybe you're not making, you know, 12-story gingerbread houses or something like that or, you know, whatever, right? I mean, there's lots of ways that could be or, you know, you're choosing to buy something that's been prepared at the market rather than make something on your own and bring it. There's so many different ways that that can be applied. But really sort of saying, when I think about my core values, and my beliefs, what is it that really matters? Right. And starting from there. So I think, go ahead. ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask you about that. So yeah, go ahead. I think, you know, the older I get, the more minimalist I'm becoming about many things. And I don't know if this is, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying anyone should adopt this. This just is working for me. And I may change but right now uh, in the over the last few years more and more and more of a minimalist a minimalist about stuff a minimalist about activities um, just really doing that like okay what's really important here like what's healthiest for my my mental health um, and just not buying into guilt and all kinds of other things and being away from, and that also means being a minimalist with people. I don't need to have a bazillion friends. I really don't. (laughs) I have an over, I have a, a very abundant friendship life and that's after not having one for a long time. And I appreciate it, but I also have not no problem 
you know, calling that, that down if it's better for me and maybe, you know, better for that other person and those, that calling that I do is so much more peaceful because I didn't know how to do it helpfully, mm-hmm. helpfully. I didn't have any good examples. So they used, they, they used to be pretty drastic and now they're very peaceful. The just, okay, we just don't engage anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a minimalist thing as well um, is, is that friendship piece. And I think that when we think about, because we're talking a lot about going and spending time with other people and whatever. There's a lot of people that are not going to be spending time with family. They're going to be alone on Christmas, on, you know, during Hanukkah, um, on New Year's Eve and feeling sometimes like there's something wrong with you because you're alone. Yeah. And that is such a prevalent thing. It really is a thing you, and it's reinforced in, I had it happen to me. I've said this on other shows, forgive me listeners, but I've made a choice this year to spend Thanksgiving by myself. I was invited to plenty of things. And what was funny was I told everyone, you know, cause everybody asked, what are you doing over the holidays? You know, that's just common conversation. And I said, well, I'm going to spend it with myself. And I had to like, argue with people sometimes. Oh, come over to my house. Oh, come up. <laughs> no, I, I want to do this. I'm, I, I actually want to do this. I'm happy about, about doing this. And, um, and so I guess I want to say to people, you know, if you, if you are alone during these holidays, you're not a loser. You're not that nobody loves you. It doesn't need to be something to be depressed about you can actually tell yourself, thank God, I don't have to deal with pretending to smile when I don't feel like it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, so a couple different ways that I think about that, because on the one, first of all, I love the idea of choosing to be alone. Like I want to give myself mm-hmm. the gift of some time, some space, some quiet. That's fabulous. But I can also imagine a whole bunch of listeners saying, oh, yeah, wait, it's all well and good. You had invites. You chose that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I understand that. I, I get that. There have been certainly those times in my life where it, it didn't seem like there were a lot of choices about things. But what we always have a choice about is the attitude and the perspective with which we approach something. And I think that's what you're getting at. And so it maybe it's yeah. there weren't people who asked me, right? But maybe it's I can see myself as a person who is learning the skill of appreciating time for myself. And and maybe that means that one of the things I want to do over the next year is really grow my skill of connecting with others. So if that's a value that someone has and because of circumstances, maybe they've had a job change or a move or a relationship change and they feel like right. they would like to be connected with people but don't have that. And I know lots of people in that situation. That may be a couple different things. That may be something that they decide is part of their intentions for the new year is how do I create a sufficient and appropriate support and resource system so that I don't feel as if it's not a choice. The other thing is this idea of 
literally, and we sort of referenced this earlier, but giving or doing for someone else is another way to have connection. And one yeah. of the most powerful things that we can do when we're feeling, so if I'm alone and I'm feeling down in the dumps and like nobody cares about me and there's nobody important in my life, the sad truth is there's a lot of other people who feel that way. And reaching out to someone else who for circumstances or other reasons may be in that place and doing something that's supportive of someone else really can make a difference in how you feel. That's where it we does. see, right? That that's where people go and they're volunteering at a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen or they're collecting mittens or scarves for a or toys for a toy drive. Something and it again, it doesn't have to be monetary. It could be the gift of your time. It could even be the gift of maybe your skills and editing a newsletter or something like that. Being able to do something and offer something to someone else, that's one of the the key elements in feeling better and feeling better about who you are and how you are in the world. And yeah, that's actually the, go ahead. Well, just today, something came out from the um, Values in Action Institute, right? So that's uh, Dr. Seligman's group, the VIA Institute. And one of the things they were talking about holiday shopping made easy. And that really the <laughs> idea was how do you use your... It's called Amazon. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, I was curious because I'm like, what do they mean? So sort of looking at your strength of the month, the character strength, and how do you use your signature strengths. But mm-hmm. one of the specific things that they talked about in this, which is exactly what we're talking about, is this idea about shared social experience. That is the number one way to boost happiness and well-being. And so creating a memory with someone and potentially, if it's someone you you know well, focusing on the character strengths of that person, that's what they really recommend. But even if you don't have that person in your life right there physically with you, maybe there's someone who's been important to you that you can write a letter to or do a handmade card. And I'll say, I'm 56 years old. Someone gave me a handmade card today and I was delighted. I love handmade cards. I think that's just the most fabulous thing in the world. I can get really weepy at the beautiful Hallmark cards, but I love the card that someone just sort of wrote something out on a piece of paper and shared it with me. Email or postal mail is even better because everyone likes getting you mean like mail that is not a bill or a junk. They yes. wrote with handwriting? Yes. Right? That's, that feels fabulous. It, I get really excited. I'm like, look, it's not a bill. I don't even think I know how to do that other than my signature. Um, <laughs> that's funny. You can type and sign. That's okay. That's but mailing true. it. That's true. You know? So those kinds of things as well, right? So we can we can volunteer, we can help someone, or we can make the effort to connect to someone. And we can also be open to noticing when someone's trying to connect with us. Yeah. Okay. I have a story about, about that. So I, you know, yes, you're right. I, I had other places I could have gone for Thanksgiving and I had the option of, of saying no, um, but I did bump into this wonderful elderly gentleman at the post office where I live, and um, we just struck up a conversation, and I ended up buying a walking stick that he hand-carves himself, and he asked me if I would come by and say hi to him on Thanksgiving because he's alone. His wife has passed, and 
you know, he's, he's alone. And so I did go and I spent about 20 minutes with him and brought him a piece of pecan pie that my neighbors had made. And, um, and that was, you know, I didn't want to spend more time. Mm-hmm. So we just you know, had a nice 20 minute chat and that was amazing. That was wonderful. That was all I needed, you know, for, for my Thanksgiving was, was that. And then my dog and Netflix. Right. But what a difference and how good that he did exactly what we're talking about by saying, would you be willing to? Yeah. He asked for something that would be meaningful for him. And you were then able to respond by sharing something that was meaningful for him and still allowed you to have the plan for yourself. And I guess that's exactly what we're both getting at is that there's so many different ways that we can look about that at this and we don't want to have just one way of viewing it. So it's not, I have to do everything or I can't do anything. It's not that there's never anyone there or I have to respond to everyone. We can pick and choose 20 minutes with someone who did the phenomenally wonderful radical self-care job of asking for something and then being able to respond. That's beautiful. That was really sweet. And we laughed hysterically because here I think, oh, I'm, you know, bringing him a piece of pie. And he's like, well, I'm diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) Even better. I I didn't come over to kill you. So uh, let's, let's, I'll just put it back in the car. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, yeah, those little, those little things and in the busy, I mean, I've really pulled out of having chaos in my life. So I'm much more available to pay attention to things, little, uh, Melanie calls them God winks. So whatever religion or non-religion you are, um, I'll borrow that from her. I've got more room in my life and my life's not perfect. My God, it's not perfect. I'm not saying that. I just have more room in my life to notice things like this, you know, elderly gentleman who was standing at the post office and he was having an issue and we just struck up a conversation. Whereas before I've had this very minimalist and non, you know, drama free as much as possible life that I have now. I would have just ran in, got my stuff and gotten out of the post office and not even noticed that he was there. So, right. you know, it's it's nice to carve out that room for yourself. And I get it. I don't have kids at home anymore. I'm a single, so I don't have a, a mate. But, you know, when I say those things, listeners, I've done all those things. I have had all those experiences. So it's not like I'm coming from a... Um, naive perspective here. And I've had those horrendously traumatic holidays that shape your life and make you so grateful for being an adult and choosing, being able to choose because you're not a kid to not have those anymore. Yeah. There's one more thing that I want to mention, which is sort of related to, I think, what we've just been talking about. And this is the idea of, it sounds a little harsh, but take a breath and let's be honest, not creating chaos for ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Because there's certainly all that stuff 
that goes on in the world and then there's the expectations but I, there's also a way in which we can literally get ourselves worked up about something that and it's connected to what you said i think about giving ourselves a break but there's another way i think in which we can literally get ourselves all ramped up or begin running around and behaving in a chaotic way and taking a situation that let's say maybe was a if we say five is the highest DEF CON, maybe it was a DEF CON two and we're ramping it up to a four and a half. Right. <laughs> we have right. to know which way we're going on that scale. So when I think about it, we've talked about, I made a couple of notes. So let me just run these by you because this is what I have. This is pretty impressive. So what are things we can do to create calm in the midst of chaos? We can smile and we can receive a smile from someone else. We can pay attention to our negative thoughts and take a breath and stop and then find a moment of gratitude. We can talk to people that we are connected with and that we do trust and ask them for feedback from the outside so we get a sense of how we're coming across. We can choose to have an unholiday, whether it's a single unholiday or a whole unholiday year and do things differently. We can consider simplicity in how we approach, whether it's a particular event or an entire holiday season, and how can we come from the just the core value perspective. We can engage in really listening to people and having curiosity about what is it that they're actually saying and responding to that rather than what we think that they think that we think they want. <laughs> All right. We can give ourselves a break and sort of say, this is my life and I get to have it. And I'm going to do that with generosity towards myself and with compassion and care to myself. And we can make connections with other people, whether that's connecting actually in, in physically or emotionally or just in our imagination with people who are important to us, or we can think about doing something for someone else, or we can also approach this from the, I am truly going to focus on the connection with myself and being mm. caring and compassionate and thinking, what is it that I, as the self I want to be, really could benefit from? And then sort of adding to that, the last thing we mentioned about how is it that we are engaging ourselves in enjoying the moment that we're in rather than creating chaos. And I look at that and that's about 10 really important practices that we could use today, tomorrow, and we can even use them in March and April when we don't have a major right. holiday going on. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is the benefit listeners of going to college because then you take notes and you learn how to take <laughs> notes like that. <laughs> why you're an author and I am not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? But it's literally, those were the things that we've, we, all we did was we had a person to person conversation where we have some similarities of ideas and thoughts and some differences and allowed ourselves to just have that free flowing conversation. But look what comes out of that. To my mind, that's really powerful. Ten really important, useful, don't take a lot of time, just take the personal choice to apply in the moment. Right. It's very empowering. 
Yeah. So we're going to be all calm now. No more chaos. <laughs> right. And I don't have any right now anyway, which is fantastic. See, that's I want to bring up. I want to bring up the the book that we talked about, and I know we're we're getting ready oh, to yeah, yeah, the yeah. show, but um, there's a book that I it, it, here's a here's a tell about me. It's some people find it charming, and some people find it completely and utterly annoying and immature. You can take it however you want. I t- I get so enthused about stuff, um, and I don't know that's not unique, but I really get enthused about stuff. So then I read a book, and then I have to I have to shout it off to eighty people. It's the best thing ever, and they're like, and then try to sell them the book. And I mean that's like part of my personality. So I'm really careful about like joining clubs and doing things like that because then I will become this, you know almost cult-like person trying to get everybody else they must do what I'm doing as if I know what's important so anyway this book um I'm not doing that with I'm just saying it's fit my minimalist style of living and it really it was fantastic to listen to it over two days where I took a very very long road trip it's called the art of not giving an F, and you can figure out the rest of that word. I don't want to have to mark explicit on this show. <laughs> but it was so good, and it's a lot of what we talked about, the subtle art of not giving an F. And um, it, there's cursing in it, so if that hurts your ears, you know, don't don't read it. But it's yeah. it just was so good. It really, it it didn't, like some books that you read, some self-help books that you read, and you're like, oh, my God, I don't do any of those things. And you, like, feel bad about yourself, although the book was supposed to make you feel good and inspire you. I tend to be the person that goes, I didn't do any of that stuff instead of getting inspired. This book, what it did for me was just reaffirm what I already do that's really great. There was no, oh, I feel bad about myself. There was no, you need to do this and this and this to achieve, 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 achieve. It was, you're already doing it. Give yourself a break. Here's all the great stuff you're doing already, but not in that uber positive, icky way. Because look at the title. Hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was just really excellent. Yeah. And you had already read it. Absolutely. And, you know, we often like many of the same things. So when you said that, and I I immediately said, oh, my God, absolutely. That's a fantastic book. I love that. And I am one of those super excited, get caught up in enthusiasm. And if I read something, I'm telling everybody about it. You know, I'm like, oh, this is (laughs) phenomenal. You've got to read that. And then one of the jokes that people who know me say that literally someone just said it to me today. Someone will say something and I'll say, oh, have you read thus and such? that's a really good book for that. People are like, really? What's with you in the book <laughs> recommendations? I'm like, well, I love to read and why not find something that's adjunctive to whatever it is that you're doing? So I, that gets my endorsement as well. I really enjoyed that. And I think that from my perspective, similar to you, anything that's straightforward and direct and talks about things in an honest fashion with solutions that you need to be committed to using, but are relatively simple in action. I'm all for it. 
And I think that is a, a great book in terms of how do we disentangle ourselves from worrying so much about what everyone else thinks or what something's going to look like and begin to pay attention to what's really important from a core value perspective. Right. Redefining success. Like what really is success? Are you successful if you like what it, what is it we try to achieve? You know, you're you're, you're trying to. Um, be someone that has a TED talk and then you're going to be, then your next thing is you want to be on the Today Show and then you, you know, you, you do a bigger speech and like there's always something to achieve and there's this roadmap to doing it on how other quote unquote successful people have done those things and you're not successful if you haven't done those things. I mean, it's such a, machine and there's nothing wrong with doing those things either it just doesn't mean success there are people that do those things and they gotta tap dance still for their bread and butter just like everybody else Mm -hmm. um there there's no difference and looking at you know that should not be your measure of well that's a should that does not have to be your measure of success your measure of success can be what kind of a person are you? How do you treat others? Um, do, or do you get to do what you want to do in terms of work? I mean, your measure of success can be defined in in a much different way, in a way to where you are not trying to be like what you think other people are. Because I guarantee you, listeners, with the number of people that I've I've interviewed, um, it it. it from best-selling, been on Oprah, whatever, to, you know, not those things. There's the common theme of everybody is everybody struggles. Everybody. Yep. I mean, that's just, and, and sometimes, honestly, I mean, really, seriously, the people that don't, do those things are actually much more peaceful and happy. I'm not saying that you can't if you do those, you know, whatever success things. Um, but the ones that that's not their measuring stick have more peace in their lives. I mean, because <laughs> they're not constantly chasing something. Um, it doesn't mean that they don't have ambitions and goals, but their ambitions and goals are, you know, I want to be a better parent. I want to make sure that my kids, whatever, or I want to, you know, take better care, whatever, whatever their ambitions are, are more, you know, close to the heart. They're not this thing that society tells you you're supposed to be in order to look like a success. And so consequently, a lot of them are much um, happier more often, not all the time because that doesn't exist, but happier more often than the ones that are on that track. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. And it's so interesting, this idea of what we have working towards something and the things that we put out there as in I should have X, Y or Z, right? that those shoulds or X, Y or Z will mean A, B or C. And and it doesn't necessarily at all. 
you know, and I think I've mentioned before, one of the best moves that I made was I left a place uh, that I was working where I really liked the job, but it was over an hour commute through traffic and went to someplace else where the financial compensation was much less, but I didn't have that commute and I had even greater sort of um, professional freedom and support and opportunities for learning and growth. And so from one account, you could say, wow, that like, what was the success? You really, you know, you're, <laughs> you're moving backwards right. in your life. But for right. me, the success was building the kind of life that, that I think has meaning and that gives me joy and that, that defining it that way was very different. They were two very different definitions and they also occurred at two different times in my life. You know, I might not have made the, the choice I made later to leave at an earlier point in my life. And that's, I think, another piece that we just have to keep in mind is that there's nothing wrong with making choice A at this point or choice B at another point. We're just, what we owe, I think, to ourselves is to be willing to be honest and look at ourselves and say, what makes me happy? What is important to me? And how can I focus starting from the inside out rather than imagining what I think I should be doing from the outside and then trying to to fit myself into that round hole square peg kind of thing absolutely absolutely fantastic so i hope i i'm definitely gonna devour this and let it seep in <laughs> yes i know i've <laughs> got my list chaos and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. chaos and having peace and that knowing that it is not a measuring stick to always be blissfully happy because that does not exist There's nor no does thing. it yeah nor does it exist that life is always peaceful and there's something wrong with you if your life isn't always peaceful that doesn't exist either it's you know so I, I would just say the chaos and and the common chaos is my my big takeaway is Give yourself a break. Absolutely. Right. Treat yourself with the love, care, and compassion that you would treat someone you care about. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Christina Hallett. Listeners, you can go to her website, which you share, please. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, you know, my website, it's drchristinahallett.org. <laughs> And that's, you know, we're Kristen and Christina. So it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-H-A-L-L-E-T-T, drchristinahallett.org. Fantastic. Thank you, listeners. And we'll be back for another show, either before or after the holidays. And uh, we'll see what we come up with next. I know, I know, no one likes commercials. But seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. 
And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.